0: You'll find us here. Moving Iron Hello and welcome
2: to the Moving Iron Podcast Marcus with Sean Hackett This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire Helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years For more information, go to axontire.com Axon Tire, would like to give the loyal listeners of the Moving Iron Podcast two great guests One is a free free pair of deerskin work gloves which Sean probably could have used that last week when he's on his boat Giving more rope to the jib, and he was, he was, uh, that way to get rope burns and stuff on his hands. That would have been see? great.
1: I got, I got, see, I got all these blisters and cuts, and yeah. you know, see this right here. See it, yep. see it, see,
2: you could have got, oh man, you probably had to go to the doctor for that one.
1: <laughs> I was ready to stitch myself up, you know,
2: <laughs> put a little gunpowder on there, flash it, are right back in the game.
1: <laughs> Nothing in the keys moves quickly. Everything is just going to yeah. happen when it does. So.
2: so that's 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 a good place to go to unwind. It Someday is. I'll get there. Check it out.
1: Yeah, there's there's not so a lot want, of worry. There's it's not there's not a lot of worry in the in the keys. I can assure you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so there's, there's a uh, so if you want those deerskin gloves, send an email to market at axontire.com. And the second gift is. If you are interested in coming to the Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee, September 11th through the 13th, if you're interested in doing that, um, send me an email at podcast movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com and mention Axon, and you will get $50 off your registration fee. So take advantage of all those good things from the good folks over at Axon Tire. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and optimal pricing insights. And finally, this podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks, their dealer connect CRMI app, with integrated inventory management, is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how your custom how you work today. Sean is with Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida. It's nice enough to come on and talk about what's happening in the marketplace. Sean, how are you doing this morning?
1: I'm doing really good, Casey. Really, really good. Glad to be back for my uh, anniversary trip. It was 26 years. Hey, there you go. And nice. uh, I'm back. I'm heading to New York, heading to New York tomorrow for. Uh, a big speaker conference over to Iowa for market to market, and I'll be back home on on Saturday. So fun, 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 fun! Right, back, going back right into the fire. So
2: there you go, jumping out of the out of the old skillet into the fire. Right, that's how it, <laughs> how it goes. There, right? Yeah, out of boy, out of boy. So Sean, there's been a it's been a kind of a, a crazy week. You know, obviously this inflation thing that we see happening, and interest rates, and all these kind of things all have. The market just kind of all over the place. One day they're they're just hinging on every little piece of news that comes out. Um, Putin's stepping up what's going on over in uh, Ukraine and Russia. He's really putting the hammer down. Ukraine uh, has done some damage to the Black Sea fleet over there. So that might open up some more shipping lanes and grains and those kind of things um, out of the Black Sea region. So Sean, all that stuff's happening. Man, there's a million things going on. What to put a tight little bow on that? What's your what's your overall thoughts of what's happening right now in the world?
1: Really look at you know we we always talk about the concept of um, the market has a hard time trading the same news story forever. Meaning at some point right. they just are done. And so we when we first had this in February, oh my gosh, it was panic week to fourteen. And every time we get another one of these geopolitical uh surges of U- russia ukraine the impact is less and less and less and less and so i just think unless there's something in russia ukraine that's so different or the market feels we've moved into a, a you know a, a different trajectory than what we've been in i think you're going to have these short-term rallies like you see you know coming in on sunday night and monday where wheat's up 40 or 50 but i i think i just don't think there's going to be legs to really Chase, you know, that more than for a couple of days. We're going to need something more than that or something different to come out. And so, I just think if yeah. I'm a producer, if I'm a producer of wheat, corn, soybeans, and I get these geopolitical surges, if every single one of them has uh not lasted and they've led to move back down in price. And so, I just think you have to be looking opportunistically to cast sell those because on the other side of the equation, everyone's looking at the bullish side of wet Ukraine and Russia and lack of supply, maybe coming out of Ukraine. But then we have the situation with China, you know, whether they're going to Taiwan or not, but they also just might retaliate against us through maybe initiating another trade war. I mean, we, the U.S. just um, embargoed selling these high end computer chips to the Chinese um, that they absolutely have to have in order to run their technology industry, develop their uh, military arsenal, and they can't make it themselves. And so, you know, we just did that in early uh, to mid-October here. And I just think now that Z has come out with Ruler Forever, I think mm-hmm. they're going to do something. Well that means going to Taiwan or just, you know, developing some kind of a tra- trade war in, uh, environment, uh, we went through that, Casey. And a trade war is not good for – U.S. prices, at least in the short run, meaning if we get into a situation where, let's say, they prevent uh, exports of these uh, metals that we utilize in developing our arsenal for military, you know, these rare earth metals, they call them, where they're the 90, you know, they produce like 80 or 90% of them. If they halt those exports to us, what are we going to do? we're going to retaliate where we think it hurts the most for them, which is let's stop selling them corn. Let's stop selling them soybeans. You know, let's stop selling them pork. I I can see this happening. Um, And I think Z is going to be emboldened. It's going to come out fighting. And I just worry that no one's really, they're talking about it, but they're not really on, you know, there's two sides to the geopolitical map here. And I worry that that could happen at any moment. All of a sudden we're limited down in grains because we're worried about all, you know, all the exports, Halting for a while. So I really think right now in this environment, Casey, um, so long as weather is, you know, not really a driving issue bullishly, I think you have to sell these uh, geopolitical surges that you get if you're a producer. You know, I just think that's the strategy. If something happens that this Russia thing really does escalate and they're putting ships in the way and not letting any grain go out, then you have to, you know, take another look. But I just think you have to look at all the risks and say, do I want to let, you know, $7 corn go away? Do I want to let these prices, which are good, go away? And I don't think you should. I think this is a time to continue to bring money home on the farm, especially when geopolitics gives us uh, a spike trade like we've seen.
2: So, Good news, Sean. That was a good way to start off the podcast there, but They have. <laughs> But I agree with 100 percent, man. There's G. G. has gotten said a lot more things right now uh, since he's become, you know, president for life or whatever they whatever they moniker they throw on him over there. Um, he's become a lot more emboldened in the speeches that he's given, his rhetoric that he's putting out there, and you know, he's even said a couple times to, to Taiwan. You know, he's like, "You saw it happen in Afghanistan. You think it's going to be any different for you here?" And so he, he's gotten a lot more emboldened. and There's going to be something that comes from that and what that looks like like you said chinese have a history of playing the slow game more than they play the the fast kinetic game and like you said it could be something as simple as just cutting off those those few aspects that really start that that whole trade war thing back up again and that's that's a big problem to worry about something something especially. yeah i'm saying it really
1: is a huge downside risk factor that you know I don't think the market's really internalizing what that could mean and how quickly you could yeah. crash prices, at least in the short run. Um, I just think you have to have a bird in the hand, uh, keep two in the bush, but have a bird in the hand right now because overall, you know, that's too big of a risk to take. And if as we're moving towards more of an El Nino pattern for twenty three, you know, the odds strongly favor better weather patterns for South America and North America. You know, we're expecting a very short winter this year uh, and early we're expecting a very early spring early start to the planting season Casey totally opposite of what we were saying a year ago if we recall you know last year it was exactly the opposite late any winter all kinds of problems we think we get we could get off to one of the best planting seasons you know in decades um, and I'm just not sure how that you know that that, that that's going to pl- and as long as we get you know any kind of decent moisture to which we should get from an Nino developing, you know, we're going to have, for the first time in about three or four years, we're going to be setting the conditions for a record crop. And I just, and that's mm-hmm. not that far away, Casey. It's not that right. far away. So yeah. I just think the, you know, two years ago in 2020, all the big risks to us were to upside price risk. That's how you needed to gear your cash marketing plan, storage plan, I, everything I see now is gearing towards downside price risks. You need to be taking the money home um, and and making sure you you protect that income. Um, and if you're a livestock producer, you know, obviously you always have to buy feed and, you know, but hand to mouth, hand to mouth, hand to mouth. I don't think this is a time to be, you know, buying two years worth of feed. I think this is a time to be very patient. Buy what you have to if you haven't bought enough ahead and wait for the right opportunity in the spring, summer to get really good economic prices again. And then. And then go out on the curve and, and do something smart by going out a year or two on your feet. I just think we're you know the cycles is flipped from it from where we were a few years back. So
2: right. Yep. Yep. And I'm sure this is a short-term thing here, but if you if you read the articles about Brazil and the protests are having there around the presidential election, we have <clears throat> a new president coming in, uh Luis. I'm not even gonna try to say his name, but new guy coming in, uh very uh I think they described as a as a leftist leaning type uh of a president and the guy coming in uh or leaving uh I'm not gonna say his name either. But anyway, the guy's there. Both those guys are he hasn't conceded yet. Truckers are blocking the highway going into Madagraso, and and it's just a whole mess down there too. So that that adds another layer of 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 just political uh geopolitical stuff on top of this this uh vast craziness we see happening out there now so if something does continue with that um and that does become a, a bigger issue and, and we start seeing some bigger thing like a like a canadian trucker march type thing in brazil which will be a totally different thing to what we saw in canada but i guess what's your thoughts there on that i mean how starting talking about logi- not that logistics are that good in brazil anyway and you start throwing something like this in a mix how's that start playing into that it
1: definitely needs to be watched um you know, they're as divided as we are, Casey. I mean, um, you know, a, a extremely divided country and and extremely, extremely, extremely bipolar on both sides. Um, and so yeah, I mean, I, you know, it was a close vote, but it, but you know, if you if the numbers are right, you know, Lula won fairly comfortably. You know, it wasn't like it was a 0.01, you know, I mean he won by, you know, right. percent and a half, two percent, something like that, which is fairly comfortable um he was president recall from 2002 president lula right. was there 2002 mm-hmm. to 2010 um bolsonaro has come coming for the last uh 8 years um if you know a lot of times you know you get these initial uh, protests and skirmishes and, and then they kind of fade away that's what usually happens if it becomes something where they really start shutting the country down you know or they blockade things and they don't let Exports go out for grains or for coffee or for sugar or for all the you know things, you know, obviously that would be something you'd have to at least it would be a short I mean, doesn't mean eventually the supplies don't get out, it just means it would be delayed and then you could get a short-term reaction to it. Obviously, way too early to make, you know, to make that leap of faith. But it's definitely something to monitor right. to see if it, if it, if it fades or if it really actually accelerates. I think Bolsonaro is, is is expected to speak today um, sometime. I, I, I don't have to look at when. Um, that might be an important speech in terms of does he fan the flame, um, you know, or, or does he say, look, it's all good, you know, peace be with you. You know, I don't know what he's going to say or how cantankerous he's going to be or not, but that might be a lot. That might go a long way with determining whether this could be a short-term geopolitical escalation impacting prices or not. Right now, obviously, it's something to monitor, but not something to, you know, uh, pay too much uh, heathens, you know, cravings to just yet, so.
2: Right. Yep. If you look at that could be, that's just if few fans of the flames there, that could just be a, a bigger issue just because of the well, do, logistics they have to start with.
1: Well, I do know that the farming community um, is extremely... <laughs> pro Bolsonaro, You know, they did not like uh when Lula was there, uh, his act policies, the way he handled funding and you know, the overall agricultural policy. I know that they are extremely um negative on Lula and extremely positive on Bolsonaro. So, you know, um we'll have to see how uh how far they want to take it, but but I do know that the ag sector is extremely upset with this. And um you know, could be capable of creating a, a unified front if they really uh you know wanted to here. So
2: yep. All right, let's talk a little bit about what's going on with cotton. Cotton has had a huge compared to where it was at, you know, this time, you know, three months ago when we saw four months ago where we saw dollar fifty cotton, you know, it's down um down into the to the eighties now, I guess. So when you look at What's going on with with cotton? What are your thoughts there? And we've talked about this. You talked about, yeah, we see this big spike up, but fundamentals really aren't there to keep that price, that cotton up. And when China came in and bought all that um, cotton out of nowhere, that's really what spiked that up. And now that that's gone, where are we at with cotton?
1: Well, the U.S. primarily, the U.S. price is driven by Chinese buying of U.S. cotton. I mean, that's who we sell our cotton to. Yeah, there's a few other people, but I mean, they dominate. When we were at $1.20, I think I mentioned on your show that we were trading at a premium to the Chinese cotton price and that there's no example of the price right. remaining there uh, because we would just simply lose the business and the price. No matter how tight the market is, more prices had to come down. And that's what happened. Um, and I think we had mentioned either in that podcast or one since then, that uh, we probably would need to come into the low mid 70s in order to get the price relationship more attractive again to where they would be. It would be in their economic best interest to buy U.S. cotton again because it'd be cheaper and they could bring it in and mix it in with their. And we are now there. We're in the low 70 cents. We are now trading at a discount. And I do believe that Chinese demand is going to pick up not because they're seeing massive crazy demand for you know, for end user, but other than it's just because it's, it makes economic sense to buy cheaper U.S. cotton, and so I think that's going to put a floor in here on this U.S. cotton price in the low 70s. So if I was a buyer of cash cotton, you know, if I'm a if I'm a, a mill, you know, uh, you know, and and I'm and I'm need to buy a lot of physical cotton, I think this low 70s scenario case is a good level to get some coverage for yourself and lock this in. I just don't see the Chinese price falling any more than it has, and I and I think that this relationship now is really setting up for increased exports um, and a better outlook for uh, that, and, and, and potentially a rally. You know, potentially a, a bounce off of this level to maybe get prices back into the military. Because no matter how you cut it, there's not a lot of cotton supply in the world because the U.S. had a horrible crop. We know that uh, uh, Pakistan had another, had also had a horrible crop, and we know that India had a so so crop so when you put it all together if you bring chinese demand back in for u.s cotton we very quickly run that balance sheet too tight again so i i kind of feel for the first time in months i'm actually feeling a little friendly here to the cotton market and think cash buyers need to be picking up the pace here on cotton so
2: right on okay there you go all right one more thing kind of on the wheat thing we've talked about two things well got two things here one is right now the uh fall hard runner, hard red winter wheat is um at an all-time low when it comes to just overall rating that we see right now no surprise there it's been been dry and, and conditions for planning have been less than favorable to be to be kind i guess looking at that sean how is that playing into this wheat picture that we see right now
1: i think the market you know looks at these Pre-dormancy crop ratings. And when you try to correlate that to the actual yield uh, after you know spring, it has not been a great correlation. Uh, meaning that if you start off good, sometimes you end bad. If you start off bad, sometimes you end good. It really comes down to spring precipitation and spring weather conditions that determines yield. Now, obviously, we haven't seen, you know, I think I think we've been measuring this since 1986. We might have seen crop conditions this bad. Prior to 86, but since 86, clearly this is the worst rating we've seen thus far. Moisture is coming in, Casey, um, over the next week, week and a half, it looks like. And that probably is going to help significantly improve those conditions, increase some of that growth before dormancy. Um, you know, just in a nick of time. But but overall, I think the market's going to take the idea that there's just not a lot of correlation between starting conditions in going into dormancy and how it ends up. So I don't think they're going to trade that in the futures market right now. I think what they're going to do is say, okay, it's going in really bad. That's something to pay attention to, but how does it look when it comes out? What kind of weather are we going to have when it comes out? Um, If obviously the weather's poor against a poor conditions going in, then you could have yourself a big problem. We think we're going to have good spring conditions early we're going to come out of the of dormancy early. We're going to have a warm spring, good some, you know, decent moisture, some really good conditions that will help rehabilitate some of these conditions. And we also, once again, are, th- are expecting a short winter, uh, and we're not expecting this to be an arctic. Uh, cold winter like we had last year. You get these polar vortex breaking down, get these big... If you really want to get a chance for winter kill, Casey, you really need to get that Arctic air to come down. And we think this is going to be more of what we call a polar cold winter, meaning you get the cold air from Canada that comes down. It's cold, but it's not your Arctic, frigid, you know, minus 38 degrees. It's, It's cold, but it's not the kind of cold that typically puts winter kill risk on the table. And so, but for those reasons, we just think the risks this year for winter wheat are just not what they were the last couple of years. And so we, we just think that even though we're going in, you know, obviously less than desirable, we just don't think that's going to be a market mover for right now. So.
2: Right on. Okay, man. All right, finally, let's talk about this last part here. Looking at soybean crush and ethanol, uh, Crush. If you look at those two things, they're expecting to see quite a bit smaller um, amounts of that to happen. Coming off of you know six months ago was the most they'd ever done ever, and now we're we're kind of back down to a, I guess what you'd call it normal level for that. Looking at that, Sean, with the price of fuel the way it is, has come down dramatically from what we've seen uh, over the summer. Is that playing a factor into this? And and do you think that, or is there some other outlying factor there that's driving down this price or the the amount of crush that we're seeing right now for ethanol? And soybean and uh,
1: biodiesel. Yeah, you know, it comes down to the crush margin. If it's profitable, they're gonna you know they're gonna rip the plants as much as they can. If it's not profitable, they're going to you know pull the <clears> the <throat> ethanol plants. I mean, they're all the same. You know, it's a profit motive. Um, you know, and, and so the so the, the the billion the trillion I guess in the, this world we live in the trillion dollar question is what happens after the elections to the SPR dumping? Do we stop dumping strategic petroleum reserve? I think we will. I can't say exactly when, I'm not sure exactly how that looks, but I think that we're going to. And unless the US government is willing to halt exports of diesel and other things, um, I would think that we're going to be looking for, you know some kind of a price readjustment higher in a post non-SPR dumping world. And that should be pretty friendly to the ethanol markets globally. And it should be pretty friendly to the biodiesel markets globally, renewable diesel globally. Bean oil, vegetable oil. We know we've had extreme flooding in Indonesia, the number one producer of palm oil, which is one of the vegetable oils that's used not only for human consumption, but also for biodiesel. We look at the Inflation Reduction Act that was approved here just a little while ago. And you look at the money that was put forth to promote biodiesel, renewable diesel, ethanol, some serious serious dollars being put into uh, making uh, large investments in increasing the demand and increasing the production of the of like you know of those two items. So so overall, I I think that we're probably looking at a better profile for renewable energy, Casey, over the next six months for those reasons. And so if I'm thinking bean oil, if I'm thinking bean crush. If I'm thinking ethanol prices. I kind of think that we're going to see, see a friendlier environment um, based on what we see today.
2: So, right on, Sean. Good stuff as usual, man. Folks I want to reach out to you and get more information about what it is you have going over at Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that?
1: Our website <clears throat> is Hackett, H A C K E T T, advisors.com. We have a lot of information on there about how we do our weather work, how we do our fundamental work, capital flows work. And how we go about, you know, putting together our longer-term uh, price forecast, and hopefully, you know, some of that information might be of some value to your listeners.
2: Right on. I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Also, send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at MovingIronPodcast.com. You can find me on LinkedIn at Moving Iron uh, Podcast and on the ever so cleverly named Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Check me out there, and you can see the video version of this podcast right there with him. Um Moving Iron LLC has everything Moving Iron-related, uh, all the blog posts, the entire library of the Moving Iron podcast, as well as all the information for the upcoming Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 11th through the 13th, 2023. You get information for that there. Um, slowly putting that up there as, as things become available, and uh, we'll go from there. So with that, Sean, appreciate you being on the podcast, man.
1: In any case, sorry we missed last week, but we're, we're back on track.
2: So. I'll let it slide this time, Sean. <laughs> next time. Next time. <laughs> <Bye> God. <clears throat> <laughs> so, so with that, case you see more Sean Haggett, let's move some iron, folks.
0: Out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com.
1: see here moving out.